Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. So here we go. So Carol, tonight I am doing um, not a monster or a ghost or an event. I am doing a time of year for our podcast. What are you What are you going to do? Just sing the days of the year? Apparently, um, April is the deadliest month, but not just any time in April, specifically April 15th through 20th. Those five days every year are the f- most fucked up days that we will experience. And I have ample examples to share with you tonight about the things that happen during this time of year. Yeah, I always thought it was like the Ides of March was supposed to be the dangerous time. When is but the no? Ides of March? When it, what are the dates? I would think it'd be when Julius Caesar was murdered, right? In March. Do you do you know when Julius Caesar was murdered? Yeah, I was there. <laughs> I'm a time traveler. Just thought I would break the news. I'm so not surprised. I'm just so not surprised. No, this did not happen in March. March is actually a pretty um, chill month when we're talking about tragedy and death. Um, but April its evil stepsister is not. Uh, April is a little bitch when it comes to these things. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So April 15th through 20. Exciting. It's exciting. And I'm, I know because, you know, every year you can look forward to, should I set my wedding date through April at 15th through 20? <laughs> should I go on that vacation? Should I take that job offer? The answer is always going to be no, because it's probably going to lead to your death in some way because of all the crazy things that happen during those five days in April, that's why you should avoid it at all costs. So without further ado, I'm going to begin. Okay. So the first one um, was April 15th, 1865. It is president Lincoln's death. And yes, he was actually shot the night before, but he didn't die until April 15th, 1865. Uh He was shot by stage actor John Wilkes Booth at the Ford Theater while he was watching the play Our American Cousin. He was shot in the head, but he did not die, like I said, until the next day at 7.22 a.m. at the Peterson House. No relation to my family. That was across the street from the theater. He was the first U.S. president to be assassinated. Three days before his death, Lincoln had a dream about his own assassination. He said in his dream, there was a catafalque, which which is a box or platform that supports a coffin or a casket. So on the catafalque was a corpse wrapped in funeral robes and garments. There were many guards stationed around and people were looking sadly at the corpse. The corpse's face was covered. So Lincoln asked one of the soldiers who was dead in the White House. The soldier said the president. He was killed by an assassin. So then the second thing that happened was on April 15th, 1912, uh, the great mothership, the Titanic sunk. Oh, wow. And with it, it took 1,635 people with it. It was on its main voyage from across the Atlantic Ocean from Southampton, England to New York City. 
the ship struck an iceberg, which caused enough damage to sink the ship, and 710 people did survive. But it did kill the majority of the people on its ship. So we've got two April 15th dates. The next one is April 15th, 2013, the Boston Marathon bombing. Two pressure cooker bombs detonated at the finish line, killed three people, and injured several hundred others. 16 survivors actually lost limbs. The two suspects were brothers, and they killed two more cops while they were on the run before one of the suspects was shot to death by police, and the remaining brother was captured, tried, and sentenced to death. Yeah, that was a that was a scary time because yeah. I remember I had a friend that lived in Boston, and she said it was, um, you know, they they actually went through um, a quarantine kind of situation at that time because they were searching for these guys that mm-hmm. blew up the, yep, you know, the runners, that. and uh, so they had everybody stay home and nobody could leave, and it was, it was all over the news. Tell yeah. me about it, yeah. So April 15th, 2019, was the Notre Dame Cathedral fire. The cathedral's construction began in 1160 and finished around 1260. The cathedral was considered to be one of the finest examples of French Gothic architecture in the world. It also housed one of the world's largest organs and had immense church bells. The cathedral also contained a large number of artwork religious relics, and other irreplaceable treasures, including a crown of thorns said to be the one Jesus wore at his crucifixion and a purported piece of the cross in which Jesus was crucified. So that's got some heavy shit in there. (laughs) And when we saw Notre Notre Dame, the amazing gargoyles uh, that they have (laughs) all over the cathedral. I mean, seriously, they have some gargoyles where I think I got pictures of one gargoyle like eating the head off of somebody. Oh, like, really? It it's yeah. I mean, very vivid. So the cathedral was actually in pretty bad shape after years and years of pollution and weather damage and stuff. So they were actually worried that a fire was going to start in the building already. The Paris Fire Brigade actually prepared for emergencies there on a somewhat regular basis, including on-site exercises in 2018. A firefighter was posted to the cathedral each day, and fire wardens checked conditions beneath the roof three times daily. That's how freaked out they were that there was going to be a fire in the first place. When the alarm went off on April 15th, 2019, the fire was not initially located because the firefighters were sent to the wrong part of the church. By the time they hiked the 300 steps to the attic where the fire actually was, the fire had gotten much worse. So I always imagine Ghostbusters, you know, when they're hiking to the top of the building and they're going to fight Zool and they have to go up stairs because the elevator doesn't work. Um, That's right. Yeah. So the fire destroyed most of the wood metal roof and the spire of the cathedral. Some of the artwork was damaged. Some of the pews were destroyed and some of the arches received smoke damage. But most of the artwork and religious relics were saved. The cost to repair the cathedral is expected to exceed $1 billion and will take years to restore. $790 million has already been pledged to rebuild it. Investigators have not been able to determine the cause of the fire. Yeah, that was so sad watching that happening. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, but I was really relieved. It was, I mean, it could have been so much worse. Yes. It really could have it, they did a good job completely of, down to the ground. Yes. And you think about a structure that is from, what did I say, 1260. 
Mm -hmm. mean, how that's so old. Of course, it's going to be in danger of coming down with fire easily. I don't even know how you preserve a building that's that old from destruction. So, you know, they've got a lot of work to do, but it is, you know, I think it's hard to maintain a building like that after all those, that time on this planet. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I guess what they said is the roof is not going to be wood. They're going to kind of make it a different type of roof. I don't think oh. they're going to replicate exactly how it was. Okay. Um, but so with damn longer times a period of time, I guess. Yeah. I think they're going to put a swimming pool up there <laughs> and maybe like a, a tea garden. Yeah. Maybe an extra club there. or two. Sure. Maybe their baptismal font will be up there on the roof. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe some, a fondue platter would be nice. I think that's a good idea. They'll probably get a lot more tourists there too. Okay, sweet. It's a way, it's a way to attract the younger crowd, you know? <laughs> Jesus loves you. This I know. Come on down to our cathedral barbecue and pool party at our open bar. Okay, sweet. Okay, so moving on to another tragic day in April. <laughs> We're leaving the April 15th behind us. We're going to April 16th now. So April 16, 2007 was the Virginia Tech massacre. An undergraduate shot and killed 32 people and injured 17 people. Six people were injured, jumping out of windows, trying to escape him. The gunman committed suicide by shooting himself when police stormed the building that he was in. This shooting is the deadliest school shooting to date in the United States. It began in the dorm rooms where he shot two students and then ended in one of the academic halls across campus. On April 18, 2007, NBC News received a package from the gunman Timestamp between the first and second shooting episodes. It contained a 1,800-word manifesto, photos, and 27 digitally recorded videos in which the gunman likened himself to Jesus Christ and expressed his hatred of the wealthy. He stated, among other things, you forced me into a corner and you gave me only one option. You just loved to crucify me. You loved inducing cancer in my head, terror in my heart, and ripping my soul all this time. So there you go. Virginia Massacre, April 16, 2007. I'd never heard that manifesto. Um, So he he thought he was Jesus or like? Yes, clearly mentally ill. And I think that what I read was that he had actually gone to the dorm rooms to shoot a girl that I don't think knew him, but I think he had a thing for her. And so she shot he shot her and then this guy showed up to, I think, protect her or help her. And he shot him too. And that's when he went across campus to these, this academic building and shot up everybody else. But he killed 32, which is a pretty substantial lot. Um, and it's that's still, horrible. yeah, it's still the biggest school shooting that we've had in the United States. That has not changed, even though we've had other ones that have been pretty bad. That's still the biggest one. So then moving on to April 16, 1947, was the Port of Texas City explosion. And I took this information directly from Wikipedia. It was an industrial accident in Port of Texas City at Galveston Bay, Texas. It was the deadliest industrial accident in U.S. history and one of history's largest non-nuclear explosions. A fire started on board the vessel SS Grand Camp, which was docked in the port, and it detonated approximately 2,200 tons of ammonium nitrate. This started a chain reaction of additional fires and explosions in other ships and nearby oil storage facilities. The event killed at least um, 581 people, 
including all but one member of the Texas City Fire Department. The disaster triggered the first ever class action lawsuit against the United States government under the recently enacted Federal Tort Claims Act on behalf of 8,485 victims. So that was basically just a really bad explosion um, on the ship that killed 581. But the thing that's super interesting about this is that on April 17th, 2013, which was actually 66 years and one day later, there's another ammonium nitrate explosion in the state of Texas that kills a bunch of people. Isn't that weird? (laughs) No, that is really bizarre. It is really weird. The Texas fertilizer plant explosion happened on April 17th, 2013. It was another ammonium nitrate explosion, like I said, at the West Fertilizer Company Storage and Distribution Facility in West Texas, 18 miles north of Waco. So they're not even necessarily close together because Galveston and Waco, I don't think are close together in Texas. I might be wrong, but... I do not think that they are. They already had emergency services personnel responding to the arson fire at the facility. It killed 15 people and more than 160 were injured and more than 150 buildings were damaged or destroyed. Investigators confirmed that ammonium nitrate was indeed the material that exploded. And on May 11th, 2016, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives stated that the fire had been deliberately set. However, some fire experts question if it really was arson. So they have never found a suspect in that. Interesting that there's two ammonium nitrate explosions in the state of Texas, 66 years apart in different parts of the state. I don't know if that's, I don't know what that's about, but I think that's kind of interesting. And they're both in our deadly timeframe of April 15 through 20. So Again, um, coincidence? I think not, Carol. I think not. So we're going to move on to April 18 now. Uh, April 18, 1906 was the great San Francisco earthquake. It was the second deadliest natural disaster in history. More than 3,000 people were killed by the 7.8 magnitude earthquake that resulted in fires in San Francisco. I didn't realize it was a 7.8 earthquake. It was pretty big, 7.8. The minute-long earthquake drove a 296-mile fissure along the San Andreas Fault. Fires consumed the city for nearly three days, fueled by broken gas lines, and it took over 500 blocks. Firefighters' water lines were ruptured, so there wasn't much they could do to fight the fires. More than 28,000 buildings were destroyed, and more than 200,000 San Franciscoans were left homeless. So moving on to April 19th, 1993, was the Waco siege. A few months before, on February 28, 1993, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms attempted to raid the Branch Davidians religious group compound outside of Waco, Texas, looking for illegal guns and drugs. The two groups got into a gun battle, resulting in four federal agents and six Branch Davidians being killed. After a 51-day standoff on April 19th, the FBI launched an attack on the compound where they used tear gas to force the Branch Davidians out of the ranch. But during the attack, a fire engulfed the compound, resulting in the deaths of 76 Branch Davidians, including 20 children, two pregnant women, and cult leader himself, David Koresh. Yeah, he committed uh, suicide, right? He's the one that set the fire. I think that the idea was that they all committed, like it was a mass suicide, Mm -hmm. I think. 
So, but yeah, but that happened April 19, 1993. And then two years later, on April 19, 1995, was the Oklahoma City bombing. 160 people were killed and almost 700 were injured when Timothy McVeigh detonated a Ryder rental truck filled with explosives that he had parked in front of the Alfred P. Murray Federal Building in Oklahoma City. More than 320 buildings nearby also suffered some damage. The date was actually purposely picked um, as it was a two-year anniversary from the ending of the Waco siege. And McVeigh and his co-conspirators were unhappy with the government's handling of Waco and another event called Ruby Ridge that happened in 1992. So that was the only date I could find for sure that was picked intentionally as being a mass destruction date. Everything else seems to have happened just by coincidence. That's crazy. It makes me just want to stay in bed during those dates and wrap Mm. myself in bubble wrap. You should. You should just stay home. There's no reason to go outside. Just stay in. It's five-day vacation. Just staycation. Just stay home. Staycation. And and luckily, we have the approval of most of our governors. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That is correct. So, awesome. So, I got a couple more to add here to our five-day in hell. So, the next one is um, April 20th, 1889. A guy named um, Adolf Hitler was born. Oh, God. He was a German. In case you didn't know, he was a German dictator. Uh, from 1933 to 1945, he initiated World War II in Europe in 1939 and the Holocaust from 1941 to 1945, in which 6 million Jews were killed. However, Hitler's Nazi party was also responsible for the murders of other groups as well, including Slavs, which were non-Jewish Polish people, Soviet civilians and Soviet prisoners of war, another people called the Roma, which was a class of people from India, the um, quote-unquote incurably sick political and religious dissidents and gay men. The total number of deaths from these groups is thought to be about 11 million people. So if you add up those people with the Jews, that's 17 million people and really scary that he could be given so much power unchecked to do so much horrible damage. It really is amazing that that could have happened, but it did. So there you go. Yeah, the whole uh, population, uh, a lot of them were, you know, thinking they were like brainwashed almost by his charismatic propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. He was able to convince a lot of people of a lot of things. And it, it's disturbing because you have to wonder um, if that could happen again. Like if people will just follow Ooh. again and, and to a leader like that. So then on April 20th, 1999, was the Columbine High School Massacre. Two high school seniors entered Columbine High School in a Denver suburb and opened fire, killing 12 students, a coach, and then themselves. 24 others were injured during the event. The speculation is the choice of date could have been because it was Hitler's birthday, but there is no confirmation that that is the reason they picked April 20th. And in fact, I read something that they were actually going to do it on April 19th but they didn't have all their guns ready to go. So that's why they went on April 20th. So there's really no confirmation that that was an intentionally, an intentional date pick. Um, So, but it did happen during our five deadly days of April. And then the last one I've got here is April 20th, 2010, which you've brought up, and this is what spurred me to do this story in the first place was the deep water horizon oil spill. Oh, yes. 
Considered to be one of the worst environmental disasters in American history, the deep water horizon wellhead blew out on a BP-operated platform, killing 11 and dumping 210 million gallons of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. After several efforts to stop the oil from flowing into the Gulf, they did finally seal it up on September 19, 2010. As of 2018, the cleanup costs, charges, and penalties have cost BP upwards of $65 billion. The thing about this is that um, there's a woman, there's some website like called geekmom.com, and a woman mm-hmm. actually did a study to see if April actually was the deadliest month of the year. And it turns out, oh, yes, by far, it is the worst month. She compared it to all the other events and um, deaths that happen on U- U.S. soil um, throughout the year. And April, by far, is the biggest spike of all. It had the most events with 10 and she didn't count like other things i don't think she counted the notre dame or titanic experience and it also had the most number of deaths which was 4110 july was the second highest with the most events was seven and september had the most deaths uh second most deaths of 2538 so it's legit april is the worst month but it's not just april it's these five specific days in april what do you think's it, going on? What I do don't think? know. What is your theory? I think we should throw it out there to astrologers and say, why is April 15 through 20 the worst time for trage- tragedies and a lot of death? Because it is. It's got all of these major things that have happened during those five days in April. It's so weird. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, I hadn't heard that theory. It's, it's spooky. And, you know, the fact that I think when this recording will air, we're going to be approaching close to those dates. Um, yep. Yeah. Unless you're listening to this out of um, at some other time of year. But mm-hmm. as we are recording this, we are actually entering into April as we speak. So, yeah. Well, thanks for the warning, Holly. <laughs> I'm uh, just not that I have anything know. else to be scared of right just- now. Stay home. Don't go out. April 15 through 20. Just take a big red pen and mark it off on your calendar. You know, XXX. Just don't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, we're going to have to add this to our list of, you know, Friday the 13th, beware the witching hour. Now beware, you know, April 15 through 20th. That's That's going to be added to the list. You don't need to risk your life. Those five days, just stay home under a blanket the whole time. Watch your Netflix. Don't do anything else because you never know. I'd like to say my story is going to be more cheery. Okay. I got this idea from Josh, actually. We're going to thank Josh for this. Um, And I'm doing my story on the plague phantoms because oftentimes, yeah, oftentimes there, there are reported figures or AKA phantoms seen in unusual attire or acting in a strange, menacing way right before diseases would break out in a town. And it's interesting and, that you've chosen diseases for your story. <laughs> right well, now. I think it's just on everybody's mind, sure. right? I mean, you can't get away from it. And, you know, I, I find that, you know, going back in history and looking at, first of all, the two biggest plagues or pandemics in, in our history, it brings this whole COVID-19 more into perspective of, you know, humanity has gotten through even darker times. So 
Um, and there's a lot of ghostly stories uh, uh, surrounding it. So um, there have been several outbreaks of pandemics in our history. And there's nothing more terrifying, though, than the bubonic plague known as the Black Death, which started in 1348 and which wiped out almost half of Europe's population. Wow. There was also a terrible outbreak of disease called the Great Plague, which took place in 1665 and which also was caused by the plague hitting London and towns like York, wiping out nearly 15 percent of its entire population. Italy has a secret island that is no longer open to the public, and Italy was hard hit by this as well, and it was said to be incredibly haunted. This island was a destination that many who were infected with the Black Plague were taken to die. While it is unknown how many people died on Poveglia, but theories say over 160,000 could have, and it is rumored that the topsoil is comprised of 50% human ash. The Whoa. island... Yeah. The wow. island was also used to house the mentally ill in the late 1800s, and patients were not rehabilitated at this time. Instead, they were exiled to the island and left to die. So in the 1920s, the building was still used as an insane asylum, but it was in such bad shape, and the patients were kept in terrible conditions, being subjected to unauthorized and unethical medical testing. Many of the patients complained of seeing ghosts and being frightened by the sounds of wailing that they heard on the island. One story states that a doctor used these complaints as a reason to perform lobotomies on his patients. Eventually, even the doctor, though, was driven mad by the ghostly activity, which allegedly harassed the doctor until he threw himself off the building. Really? It might have been a patient, but we're going with the story. It was a ghost and haunting <laughs> him, and he threw himself off the building. So wait, the ghost was making everybody throw themselves off the building and go crazy, or the doctor was? Everyone was going crazy by hearing ghosts and being oh. frightened by the sounds of wailing that they heard on the island. Okay. And the doctor also was driven mad by the ghostly activity, which allegedly harassed the doctor until he threw himself off the building. That sounds pretty intense. Right. I mean, the it is. The asylum was eventually closed in 1968. And people who had visited the island said they hear the ringing from the bell tower that was removed long ago. So there have been several attempts over the years to rebuild on that island. And one construction crew was working to restore the old hospital, but abruptly stopped their work one day, refusing to stay on the island without a reason given. Hmm. Some say it is due to the vengeful spirits, but there are no firsthand accounts to verify these statements. And even though the island is abandoned and now closed to the public, curious tourists, despite the warnings, will try to sneak onto the island. In 2016, five Colorado tourists had to be rescued by Italian firefighters because they were so frightened. Wow. Apparently, they saw so many horrible apparitions and sounds that they began screaming for help. Eventually, a sailboat overheard them screaming for help and called the Italian authorities to come rescue them. Hmm. Apparently, they wouldn't stop their screaming even when the firefighters arrived. In London, during the outbreak of the Great Plague, mass graves were dug known as plague pits, Ooh. which are said to have housed up to 100,000 bodies. They were hastily buried on top of each other with only a thin layer of dirt separating the bodies. 
After London began building their underground railways, the routes seemed to be odd. Instead of taking the straightest, fastest line from point A to point B, if you look at a map, you'll see that they meander and curve as if avoiding something. And rumor has it that they were trying to avoid digging through the plague pits, and many of these tunnels do pass by many burial grounds, leading to the stories of the London Underground being incredibly haunted. One of London's busiest stations, Liverpool Street, was especially haunted, and is no surprise when in 2015, over 3,000 skeletons were unearthed. Oh, jeez. Stories of shadow figures are seen roaming down the tunnels and on the train themselves, and sometimes screams are heard before the train pulls up. It's as if the ghost can't stand the noise of the brakes. Mm. And there is a house in York, England named the Plague House, located at 5 College Street, and is known for a ghost seen of a little girl who died during the plague. The story goes that the parents were very afraid of contracting the Black Plague. To avoid coming into contact with those infected, they rarely left the house and would use their only daughter to run necessary errands, like <laughs> buying food at the market. I yeah, like nice them. parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's suspendable. We are not. One night, as the mother put her to bed, she noticed a black boil forming underneath one of her daughter's eyes. Oh, geez. She finished calmly tucking her into bed and then locked her in her room. That night, the girl's mother and father fled York. They left their daughter locked inside and painted a large red X on the door as a warning to others to stay away. Hmm. Many report seeing the young girl screaming, crying, and clawing at the small window that faces the street. Some have been so concerned for the girl's safety that they inquire at the door asking if the occupant's daughter is all right. The response always remains the same. We do not have a daughter. Yeah, that's a horrible story. My God. Wow. And Hopefully it isn't feeling, true. Well, I have a feeling a lot of people did that. They did abandon their sick Yeah. Um, because it was a lost cause for a lot of people that they thought, well, once you got it, there's no hope. Right. So, right. and um, as a matter of fact, there's a story of an entire village sacrificing themselves in order to stop the plague. Yeah, they what all do you made mean a pact. Sacrificing themselves. What did they well, do? Well, they all made a pact to not leave and just to all die, and no, no one leave the village. So to stop the spread. Die by their own hand versus dying by the plague. Is that what the no. idea was? No, to just spread it to each other in the village, but not leave, so that oh, it would be contained. Oh, I see. I see. So they already had it in the village. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they didn't believe in social distancing outside of their village. (laughs) Well, I'm sure they didn't want to die, but they all talked about it and said it's better for us to die and keep it in our village than one of us to flee. Because in those times, it was very common. I mean, there was nobody giving orders. So there were people that just fled. If they had the money, they would just leave. Once disease reached their village, they would move and just abandon everything and leave to escape it. Right. Um, but this village, everybody in the village decided to not do that in order to contain the, the virus there or the plague. Right. Besides the many ghosts seen in areas of disease outbreaks, there have also been sightings of phantoms who many have blamed for being responsible for the bearer or messenger of the plague. Many accounts back in the medieval days and even into the 17th century felt disease was carried by the wind. 
The miasma theory was prevalent, meaning unpleasant or unhealthy smell, vapor, or air. Messengers who foretold of the coming plague often took shape of a bird or creatures having wings like depicted in the story of the angel of death. There are old accounts saying these poisons or diseases were released by vapors coming up from the earth from earthquakes and meteors, which were seen in the sky before the pandemic and caused much superstition surrounding divine judgment. I love this. The Scots, um, there's a story that they thought God was punishing the English. So they invaded the north of England, but their entire army caught the plague and they brought it back to Scotland. Oh, geez. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, German accounts say that a thick, stinking mist advanced from the east and spread itself thickly over Italy. There were also accounts of witnesses seeing a pillar of fire on the 20th of December in 1348, which remained for an hour at sunrise over the Pope's palace in Avignon. A fireball, which in August of the same year was seen at sunset over Paris and was distinguished from similar phenomena by its longer duration. There was seen outside the gates two figures in black robes swinging what looked like silver staffs where yellow and green smoke were filling the air. Hmm. Now, theories of witchcraft were also prevalent because of a disturbing sight in Milan. It is said that every part of the city doors and walls were marked with a strange sort of pungent yellowish white filth. The stains had a scattered irregular dampness about them as if someone had used a sponge to sprinkle and dab the sticky mess onto the walls and homes. Some thought it was an anointer who had spread someone's spittle and pus of the victims to ward off anyone who might try to enter the homes. Hmm. And some thought it was the marking of people's homes by the angel of death that would portend the fate of the inhabitants inside. Either way, pretty gross in my opinion. And they also, yeah. And they also thought that when death occurred, the spirit would literally fly out of the person and that spirit would escape from the eyes of the sick, striking the healthy person who was standing near looking at them. Hmm. So many people would wear um, hoods or masks to kind of avoid being hit when somebody died. I didn't know that a hood or a mask could deflect somebody from, you know, jumping into your body. <laughs> well, even the even the plague doctors were suspicious and they wore those bird-like costumes with the wide-brimmed hat to protect their eyes and they wore the beak that they put flowers and all kinds of things in the nose of it hmm. uh, because they were superstitious of the bad air and they felt that that would also help protect them. Right. Kind of like our surgical mask today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I saw a really funny thing on Oh, gosh. I can't remember now if it was some comedy show, I think, or maybe it was just a post on Facebook where they were talking about how people, how doctors are using Halloween masks now too. (laughs) Since we're running out of masks, they're using that to cover their faces. And they were like, talk about how scared you would be if you were in a hospital room and you've been diagnosed with COVID-19 and here comes a doctor and he's got a giant horse mask on. Oh my God. You would feel that your fever was so high, you're hallucinating yeah, or something. Probably, You'd be like, probably. what is this? I'm already in hell. And here I thought I was himself. a good person. Oh my God. I thought it was so funny. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I get to see that. Many countries had their own version of a phantom spirit who brought disease and appeared to either warn or bring about the plague. In Breton, this messenger of pestilence is Anku, who is said to be the spirit of the last person who died within the community and appears as a tall, haggard figure with a wide-brimmed hat, 
and a long white hair and beard driving a wagon or cart with a creaking axle. Yeah, sounds a bit like Gandalf, huh? Or <laughs> Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Doesn't it? Here's your Harry, Harry Potter, Potter reference. Here's your Harry Potter well, well, reference. I never, I never shy back from a challenge, Holly. Oh, the no, cart don't. is said to be carrying piles of corpses, and if it stops in front of your home, it means instant death for those inside. Oh, and in geez. Scandinavia, ghost stories are told of an eerie figure they call Pesta. She's a hideous, shriveled figure appearing at homes touched by disease. If she is seen at your door carrying a rake, all the family members will survive the outbreak. But if she comes carrying a broom, all of the family members in the home will die. Hmm. Back in the 6th century, when the Byzantine Empire reached from Egypt all the way up to Italy, the world was hit by another massive pandemic called the Plague of Justinian. And at that time, it was widely reported that there was a group of three small boats rowing up and down the coast and were manned by headless men who appeared to be in black robes. People soon said that these boats were an omen of the plague, and whenever they passed by a town, it was noticed that the entire population would be overtaken by disease. Mm. These boats were said to have originated in Egypt around 547 AD and became a common sight out at sea off plague-infested areas throughout the empire. They instilled mass panic in the population whenever the boats were sighted. When the boats finally left, the plague also simultaneously seemed to dissipate. There was also a story in France from around 500 to 599 AD, and according to stories, the plague wiped out all but one man and his mother in the village of Eliant. It was told that the man had encountered a young woman wearing all white and carrying a staff who was standing by a fast-moving river. When he approached her, she was incredibly beautiful and asked if he would be kind enough to carry her across. Now, the tale said he either carried her on his horse or on his own back. But when he reached the other side, she told the man that she was a visual manifestation of disease and death. She told him that she was responsible for the plague that had taken over the area and that she was on her way to spread more disease through a church. Because of his kind act, here's the, here's the catch. Because of his kind act, she would spare him his life and his mother's life. The story tells that the two sole survivors were he and his mother. When she moved on to other towns, the people had already heard of her and composed songs which told the story. She must have hated their singing or something because she was finally driven away. And they say it was because of the music and the songs sung about her. <laughs> and there were so many songs written that they ended up in a 19th century anthology by Frenchman named Theodore Hersart, the Comte de la Vellamarque. There was also an account in 1841 circulating in Lithuania of a similar beautiful woman dressed in white. And this time, though, she carried a bloodied handkerchief, mm. and which she would use to cause plague or pestilence simply by waving at people throughout the town. And when the villages locked themselves in their homes, it is said she would stick her arm in the windows and wave the handkerchief around soon after everyone inside would drop dead. Oh, finally, geez. oh, I know. Finally, if they tried to seal their windows, eventually they would have to go outside and they would meet the same fate. Hmm. So the plague maiden, as she was called, one day stuck her arm into the wrong window. A young man who was waiting for her carried a sword that had been inscribed with the words in the name of Jesus and the Virgin Mary. When the plague maiden showed up and put her cursed handkerchief through the window, he chopped her arm clean off. 
Yeah. He soon fell ill and his whole family did too. But the plague supposedly disappeared from the area shortly thereafter. It is said the handkerchief was kept as a souvenir or something inside a church for a while, but I don't know exactly which church or how long. Hmm. Did you know that the Catholic Church also has a patron Saint Corona? I kid you not. According according, (laughs) No. (laughs) According to the New York Times, the Saints relics were one time held in a tomb in the cathedral in Rome built by Emperor Charlemagne in 803 and is one of Europe's oldest cathedrals built. Uh, I think it's called Aiken Cathedral. And the relics were then stored in an elaborate golden shrine in the 20th century. And the church is cleaning and bringing it out because of all the interest regarding the virus and the saint's name. Supposedly, though, the saint you want to pray to is St. Edmund. But Catholics say that oftentimes saints will acquire new virtues when there is public consensus or by accident. Previously, this saint was known for protection against issues with money, gambling, and treasure hunting. The story goes that Corona was an early teenage martyr from 1800 years ago who allegedly was killed by the Romans for consoling a Christian man who was being tortured and then professing her own faith. She also said she had visions of two crowns descending from the sky, one for her and one for the fellow being tortured. Corona means crown in Latin, and coronavirus also gets its name from the crown-like spikes on its surface. Her remains are said to be buried in northern Italy, which was also very hard hit from this disease. And for believers, that is more than just coincidence. Also, they find it very strange that at the same time, a beautiful cathedral in southern Germany had just been refurbishing the golden shrine to St. Corona and was preparing it for an exhibition this year. The Mm -hmm. shrine, which holds relics from the saint, was already scheduled for this exhibition long before the virus first reported. Hmm. Saints are said to be historical, but also respond to the times. And now this saint will forever be associated with protection against pandemics and, of course, any consolation during suffering. So Hmm. with the COVID-19 virus, we can rest assured so far, I have not seen or heard any reports of any plague phantoms. Oh, that's good. Paranormal activity associated with it. And again, one of the biggest reassurance I have so far is that all the Waffle Houses still remain open. (laughs) And you know, as long as they remain open, there's hope. I I read somewhere that alcohol helps you fight COVID-19. So it was, it's true. And I'm healthy thanks to the alcohol consumption I've been taking in today. Oh, good. So, good. yeah, yeah, I feel better. I feel pretty good. And so, uh, Josh, I've been trying to get Carol to watch The Tiger no. King on Netflix. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's, it's the best. It's so good. Monkey yeah. sex. There's Can't no deal. monkey sex. I texted you and I said, there's no monkey sex. It's fine. There you go. You got to do it, especially now with all of... All the things that are happening, Netflix is the arms that you should run to so you can be comforted in this time of sorrow. That's my opinion. All right. And on the catafalque was a corpse wrapped in funeral robes and garments. Fuck. Injured 17 people. I'm going to say that again. An undergraduate. And fuck me. It contained a, a one. Fuck. 
It was the second deadliest natural, natural, fuck me. I don't understand why I can't just read a fucking sentence. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's, it's the like, wine. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I think the wine is actually helping me. Helping. <laughs> and I still can't do it. Even when I'm like completely sober, I can't do it. Do they say what kind of uh, experiments? <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you. Hang on. Okay, cool. Yay. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> We're so weird. <laughs> like this stuff. I think I'm gonna go as a plague mistress for Halloween. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, that would go. That would go over really good. <laughs> I got a bloody handkerchief, and I'm just gonna go from house to house and wave my arm at people. <laughs> as the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. guys be sure to follow us on instagram our handle is at fireside phantoms if you have a spooky story you would like to share with us send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode